Welcome to another Chikumba Brothers edition of the Parent Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Chikumba. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm joined once again by my special co-host of the day, my awesome younger brother, Anthony Chikumba. I'm back. Yes, it is I, Stephen's younger and much more handsome brother, and my pronouns are also he, him, and his. I'm also, you may remember from the last episode, the self-appointed executive producer of the Parent Advocate Podcast. So if you like the production quality, you're welcome. Anyway, this is episode 10, and we've got a great guest on our show today. That's right. Today we're interviewing Hobbs Chikumba, a.k.a. my nephew, a.k.a. youth organizer of Transpom, a.k.a. future MIT grad. I cannot wait for this conversation with him. So without further ado, let's get started and welcome once again to the Parent Advocate Podcast. So Anthony, welcome back. Lisette must have thought you really did a good job because she went on vacation and actually recommended that I invite you back to host. Trust me, bro. I'm as surprised as anyone that you asked me to come back again. The difference is last time I basically forced you to have me on as co-host as a condition of having my running coach, Matt Lano, as our guest. I claimed that he would only be comfortable as a guest if I was there a security blanket, kind of like a black 51-year-old version of Linus's blanket. But now that episode is long past, I confess up. I made all that shit up, okay? I'm sorry, I made it up. But anyway, this time you invited me back on under no false pretenses whatsoever. So I have that going for me, which is nice. Oh my goodness. So since you know how we get down here, I want you to give me the rundown on all things Anthony since the last time we spoke. Oh, hell no. Hell no. The last time I was on here, you were hating on me for bogarting the conversation. There was mad iteration going on. So for this episode, I was told by our, our excellent executive producer, who also happens to be me, to do a much better job of puff, puffing, and passing. Plus, quite frankly, your life is a lot more exciting than mine. So I'm going to turn that question around on you. What has been going on with you, Stephen Chikumba? Where to start? Where to start? Uh, here's an idea. How about you start at the beginning? <laughs> okay. All right. So um, let's see. On Monday, Hobbs, Nicole, and I were in D.C. for Pride, Washington, D.C., the capital. Tuesday, Hobbs and I were one of three families who sat at a roundtable with the Democratic and Equality Caucuses with people like Hakeem Jeffries, Mark Pocan, uh, Becca Ballant, Ted Lieu, Bonnie Watson Coleman. Name drop much? Anyway, no, I'm just playing. Uh, honestly, Stephen, your continued advocacy just continues to amaze me. And I think it's so important for politicians to hear from parents and children that are literally on the front lines and impacted by all the Republican foolishness going on right now. Uh, their hateful policies have real consequences. So I think even the politicians that are on our side need to hear your stories. Uh, that is so true. But can I continue? All right, my, my bad. My bad. OK, please continue. All right. So like I was saying, on Tuesday, the family, the Chikumba family here in Trenton was featured on the ABC documentary special Soul of a Nation, The Freedom to Exist, which highlighted Elliot Page, who just released his memoir, Nicole Maines, Angelica Ross, uh, Raquel Willis, and a host of other families discussing how statewide bans across the country are impacting families and conversations in schools across the country. 
I highly, highly, highly recommend this documentary and wanted to let our listeners know that it's currently available to stream on Hulu for anyone that missed it when I was on ABC. Uh, while the entire documentary was excellent, I have to admit that my favorite part, and obviously I'm biased, was the footage of the trans prom, which I was seeing for the first time. I had two primary takeaways. One, I keep thinking about how I can't get be any prouder of you and Hobbs and the advocacy work that you're both doing. And then you both prove me wrong over and over again. And two, the sheer celebration, the joy that I saw on screen, I mean, it really made my heart smile. I mean, I, I, for example, I really love the quick shot of you and Hobbs meeting that little girl and her mother who are, I think were from either Minnesota or South Dakota, who are also featured in the episode and seeing those two storylines for one of a better word come together. So congratulations to you and Hobbs for pulling that off. What an amazing accomplishment. The only thing, look, and I, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer because it really was all about trans joy. But the other thing that I couldn't get out of my head as I was watching the episode and, and you know, and seeing everything about the trans prom was the fact that you had to keep it such a big secret. Right. Like you told me that it was happening and you and Lizette hinted about it on the podcast, hinted about this big surprise, this thing that was coming up that you were super excited about, but you really couldn't publicize it. Right. And I think we both know why, because of some right wing trolls found out about it, they could have literally put everyone in danger. And that I mean, honestly, Stephen, it disgusts me. It really, there's no polite way to say it. And like I said on your last episode, that's why I'm not going to both sides this shit, okay? It wasn't Antifa that you were worried about, right? It wasn't some AOC supporters. It wasn't some Bernie bros. It was right-wing assholes. And the crazy part is, let's face it, we're not talking about fringe types like Steve Bannon or Marjorie Taylor Greene. We are talking about the whole Republican establishment. And like I also said on the last episode, that's why we need to vote every single one of those fuckers out of office as soon as we can. And just to keep it real, you told me I could curse on the last episode. So, you know, I'm taking you up on it. So, as you said, disappointing and disgusting about this whole thing is that we literally had security, like former military, former police, former SWAT people as part of the entourage in D.C. at Transprom to ensure that nothing untoward happened to those kids. And a lot of what we were doing when we were preparing for the Transprom was talking about, like, what happens if this is what happens if something bad should go down. This is where you should go. This is who you should look for. We had everybody's everybody had a card on who to call and where to go and, and emergency numbers. And it was real. it's really serious because that's unfortunately where we are in our country today. But I'm not going to go down to, to, to that level. Um, as you said, you don't want to be a Debbie Danner, neither do I. So on Wednesday, the Human Rights Campaign hosted a special reception for members of the Equality Caucus at uh, Parisio, which is like a taquerio in D.C. Um, and that evening, I was a panelist for another virtual screening of The Dads with Lucina Fisher uh, for the Micron organization, Micron Corporation, which was really well received. That's awesome. I cannot wait to see The Dads. I am just like literally counting down the days, the hours until I can see it. And look, I'm going to keep it real. I'm a little hurt that I didn't get the hookup for the for an early screening. But, you know, as the kids say, whatevs. Uh, anyway, seriously, um, look, I think it's great that companies are getting the dads in front of their employees. As we discussed on the last episode, it's one of the most one of the most effective ways to combat 
people's, you know, homophobia, transphobia, racism, racism, etc., is to expose them to the very thing that they are afraid of, which has the potential of making them realize the humanity of the people on the other side. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so on Thursday, we attended another human rights campaign reception with families of trans children from around the country, which was supposed to be like the precursor for the pride party on the White House lawn, but you know, air quality. And so we didn't get to do that on Thursday. Look, and I am sure that some right-wing troll will probably attribute the jacked up air quality when you guys are trying to do that to God not wanting trans children and their families at the White House or some dumb shit like that. But don't give me, but you know what? Don't let me give those fools any ideas. <laughs> I won't, I won't. Um, and on Saturday, Hobbs and I were there with a thousand special guests of the Biden family and we got our pride party on on the uh, White House lawn. And I met Rose Montoya, who was like trans social media royalty and who, as a result of standing in solidarity with some trans men who had top surgery and were showing off their surgery scars. But we're not going to talk about it because I think she's been banned from the White House. I, I think I read something about that. But look, here's one thing I'm going to say. OK, she's trans social media royalty, but you are becoming transparent advocate royalty okay Color. real talk real talk okay real talk but anyway jesus man that was a lot but we have got a show to do look i do not need lizette to come back and be like this is how you cover me when i'm not here so let's get to today's topic shall we so drumpf was indicted again this time for violating the espionage act this dude could not stay out of trouble Absolutely not. He, he really cannot. And like, look, I am not a lawyer and I am not trying to play one on this podcast, particularly given the fact that you are the only person hosting this podcast with an actual law degree. Having said that, everything that I'm reading and hearing is that this is kind of an open and shut case. OK, open and shut. Having said that, I've been waiting for a long time for this clown to be held accountable for his actions. So I'll believe it when I literally hear his cell door slam shut. But honestly, I was, you know, I was honestly starting to think that he would never be indicted for any of his laundry list of crimes. So that's progress. Say it again. Say it again. That is some progress because he's gotten away with so much shit for so long that it was starting to look like he was literally the Teflon Don. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also, let's not forget that there are also likely indictments coming from Georgia, where he tried to get the attorney general to manufacture votes and maybe another one coming from special prosecutor jack smith for the whole you know attempted insurrection on january 6 but so but i think there's one really important question that we need to ask if trump goes to jail will he still be able to get his orange ass tans <laughs> i do not think they have tanning beds in federal prison but you know what we're gonna have to look into that because otherwise that dude is gonna be a pasty looking joker for sure Absolutely. You know what? I actually thought of another question that I had. And, you know, I'm sure everyone's seen the photos with all the boxes of classified documents in his bathroom. OK, we saw those photos. At one point, I started to think to myself. So when he ran out of toilet paper, did he maybe use a confidential document to wipe his ass? I, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just saying valid. I'm just saying that's a valid question, because if you remember 
when he finally turned over that original tranche of documents, there were a whole bunch of classified folders that were empty. There was no actual documents in the folders. Okay, I thought you were going to say that there were a whole bunch of documents that had, um, you know, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop (laughs) it. You are nasty. You are just nasty. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so so in, in in a more serious and somber setting. Aisha Davis, a 34-year-old black transgender woman, was found killed in Detroit earlier this month. Um, They found her apparently shot dead in her hotel room. And while the police are pursuing leads in her case, it's often the case that many of the cases like this remain unresolved. This has to stop. Let me say that again. This has to stop, period. And the fact that so many of these cases go unsolved just pisses me off, okay? Real talk, real talk. If she was a straight, cisgender white woman, I have a feeling there'd be a lot higher likelihood of that case being solved. And I'm sorry, not sorry, if me saying that hurts people's feelings, but that's just facts, okay? That's just facts. Her death is is like the 12th death of a transgender person this year, And that's on top of the 57 reported deaths from last year, and I believe 49 from the year before. And I think to your point, you do not see the level of effort displayed by the police when it is a black or brown person, and certainly not when it's a black or brown transgender person, as when it is a white woman. I've seen so many cases in which a white woman goes missing for like two hours And suddenly, all the forces in the state and across state lines are mobilized. But you have indigenous women, you have black and brown women, you have transgender women going missing and not not a peep outside of their own communities is anything said. And rarely are the types of forces mastered in order to try to recover this individual as when it is a white person. So yeah, it's, it's just very disappointing. And it clearly points to the differential way that transgender people and people of color are treated in this country. I mean, it's just, it's shameful. It really, really is. I mean, look, if the Detroit police don't solve the case, particularly becomes apparent that they aren't trying all their hard, trying all that hard, there need to be consequences. At a minimum, I think that the LGBTQ plus community needs to apply pressure to the police to, I don't know, do their freaking jobs. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so true. But the other thing, and it's it's this just happened. Um, the DOJ stepped in in Minnesota. I think you recall the passing of George Floyd at the hands of the Minnesota police was something that- Wait, wait, created, and by passing, you mean murder, right? I mean murder. That is correct. I don't mean to soften what happened. But they are now basically signing a- a consent order with the Department of Justice to basically help them revamp their policies. You know, they determined that they are terribly discriminatory, that they have engaged in just horrible practices that ignore to the detriment of black and brown people in that state. And so they're essentially having their police force overhauled and taken over, and they will be under DOJ oversight until such a time as the DOJ feels that they're not a bunch of racist assholes running the police force. I mean, 
mean, I, I, I have just one term to describe it. Fuck around and find out. Fuck yeah, they around, fucked and, around find out. and they're finding out right now. But let us not go too deep into today's topics because we have a guest on our show today. I am so excited for our guest today. Um, Hobbs Chikumba is a 16-year-old high school junior from Trenton, New Jersey, and one of the youth organizers of Trans Prom, the first ever prom organized and produced by and for trans youth and adults in Washington, D.C. Uh, Hobbs is the third of four children. Uh, he is an honor roll student. He is a New Jersey Governor's STEM program scholar and a recently inducted member of the National Honor Society. Hobbs is incredibly active at his school where he's a student ambassador, a member of the STEM and key clubs, and a musician with a youth orchestra. In addition to all of that, he's my nephew. So everyone, please welcome Hobbs Chikumba to the show. Yay! Yay! Welcome to our show, Hobbs. I am so pleased you could join us today. So Hobbs, where did you get the idea uh, for the trans prom? Well, the trans prom was kind of a... Uh, collaborative effort right um first started off with a about two of the members uh i'm not sure if you know them daniel and livy uh they wanted something that would celebrate trans joy and trans pride in um you know in current times which is somewhat posed to just whole transgender community um so they just collected a bunch of people that they knew. They got some help from Chase, which was one of their organizers. Um, and we just all sat down together on a couple of Zoom calls to, you know, come with trans prom. So when you say we sat on on a couple of Zooms to come up with the trans prom, what exactly did y'all do? Well, we, we all got together, uh, got on call at about like 7 p.m. every Tuesday, and we just spitballed a bunch of ideas we all knew that we wanted a party something that was traditionally very joyous um and we ultimately settled on prom just because it was like we wanted it to be in season you know we were planning on holding it in may may is generally around that prom time so we thought it made sense i have to say i i th i like the idea of trans prom versus like trans cotillion like it just it just it just rolls off the tongue a little right bit better. yeah so like I think trans party right exactly prom, though yeah, that's dope that's dope so i was watching um a soul of a nation the freedom to exist and it kind of showed that process of you all jumping on a zoom call and talking but what was that like for you organizing something so big over zoom it was a little bit strange i'd say i had organized a couple of things before i like mentioned earlier i'm in a lot a lot of groups um like in nhs we hold school events basically every other month so i already had some experience with organizing but to do it on such a large scale and without even meeting like physically meeting a lot of the people um it was somewhat bizarre but I, i'll say because we were working with a great team it was never overwhelming or anything i mean based on the footage that i saw i mean it really looked like you guys knocked the ball at the park so once again congrats to you um so look obviously the focus of that trip to dc was the trans prom but can you describe for our listeners some of the other activities that you and the other attendees participated in what essentially what else was going on that weekend 
There were a couple of other things. Um, so before the prom, like uh, I think it was maybe the day before, there was a uh, a little mixer party in which a couple of attendees were able to just meet one another and talk before they actually went to the prom. Um, it was all like within this one taco place. Uh, Father, what was the name of the, the place? Like, Don't get me lying. What? Don't get me lying. Don't get me lying. I do not remember. I'm old. I want to say it was like Mission Mission Dupont. I think. Right, right, right. Mission yeah, Dupont. Yes. Mission Dupont. See, that's what I'm talking about. You got this young brain that's working. I couldn't remember the name of it. Um, but no, they had great tacos, and it was really just a bunch of kids getting together to talk about like what's going on in their lives, you know, what they're excited for for the party, things like that. Um Hold on. Just just let me let me just jump in here because this had never happened to me before. I walked into a room and I was recognized by a bunch of kids. Like literally these kids were fanboying me hard because of my TikTok. They recognized me from TikTok. And I you have to understand black thought from the roots was in the room. Black thought of the roots was in the room. And people were running up on me like I was famous. I can't even front. I was so gassed. My head was so big. They had to, like, take out the doors so I could get my head through after that little thing. I was like, who wants an autograph? Nobody wanted an autograph, but <laughs> it, it, did feel, it did feel good to be recognized. You, know, you, you should have given autographs anyway. I should like, have signed people's just, shirts. Exactly. I should have. Even without them asking, just go up. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. Even without them asking, be like, kid, that's going to be worth like five cents one day. So hold on to that shirt. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So what else? What else happened that weekend? Um, Dude, oh. Ginkgo Biloba. You got to take something to dodge <laughs> that memory. You are really failing. I'm not really failing. Most of the, the thing is, a lot of that weekend, I was thinking about the fact that I was able to meet everyone that I was working with. Right. Right. So all the things I remember are things with the other organizers, right? Like um, the breakfast, uh, I think, I don't remember what day it was, but we had a breakfast with all the other organizers. It was in the hotel. And I remember that I was eating a great sandwich. It was so, so amazing. I was also having great conversations with Daniel and Jose and, uh, and Frank. And it was just, it was great. So I can also attest to some of the things that were going on, like the interview that you did. Oh, I mean, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Speak, speak on it, son. Speak on it. I there were a lot of interviews there, right? Um, first interview happened like an hour after we arrived, right? It was an interview with myself, uh, Daniel, Libby, and Grayson. I jumped on a Zoom call. I think it was with Team Vogue, I want to say. And we just talked for an hour about, you know, what we're planning for the prom, what we hope will come for it, how we feel now that it's finally arrived. Um, but then there was also yeah, also that whole documentary filming. Um, that was pretty cool. I will say <laughs> filming was hard for me just because sometimes I would wake up from a nap and then I'd have to immediately get into filming. So that was that was an somewhat absurd experience. The life of a star, man, it must be tough. You know, I I I gotta keep it real here. Are we sure that Hobbs is your son? Because you know this this dude's mad humble. This dude's mad humble. Okay, dude, real talk, real talk. Okay, look, 
I knew that the trans prom was coming up. I didn't know exactly when it was going to be, but I found out that it had happened because literally I woke up one morning and I had a text from a friend of mine saying, I think your nephew was in the, was in the Washington Post. There was a picture of you from the Washington Post. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. And then I literally started like just Googling it. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is everywhere. This is everywhere. So, um, you know, you are much, much more humble uh, than your father. But anyway. Oh, Anthony, hold on, hold on. Just just really quickly, because you said something that has given me pause for concern. Do I need to do a DNA test on this thing? (laughs) Is that what you're suggesting? Dude, 23andMe, okay? That's all I'm saying. Maybe we can get them as a sponsor. Maybe we can get them as a sponsor. <laughs> that's a good idea. But damn, get them as a sponsor so I can figure out if this dude is my seed. That's terrible. I mean, look, it's, it's practical, right? It's practical, right? You, you can you can say, like, look, I believe in this product. I used it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's way more authentic. But anyway, let's continue. So listen, Hobbs, I know that you're still basking in the afterglow of the success of the trans prom. Um, but what's next? Are there any other events that you are considering organizing? And will the trans prom be like an annual event? Like, how are you thinking about that right now? Yeah, so there have been a few talks about what else our group will do. Um, one of the ideas that we do have is having uh, like local trans proms that aren't as large scale, but can just take place in any state, can take place anywhere, right? Um for example, we could have like Transprom New Jersey, in which I collect, uh, you know, 20 some people and just hold a little party that's all about celebrating trans pride. And someone else could do the same in Austin, Texas or in Tucson, Arizona or anywhere, you know. Um, but we we also do think. I think there have been a few different ideas, right? Some people do want it to be an annual thing. Other people think that it should be something to match the moment in a sense. But um, I personally, I would love it if it was annual because I think it's great. And I think we should offer just an opportunity for people to just meet and talk and have fun and be surrounded by a like-minded community. Um, But yeah, yeah. So Hobbs, one of the things that really stuck with me from the second episode, literally the second episode of the Parent Advocate podcast was when Nicole Bain's father was discussing an event at which he and his daughter spoke. And afterwards, I remember him saying that someone came up to them and said, you know, I came out and I lost the only friend I had and, 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 and now I don't have any friends. And Nicole responded and she said, well, now you have me as your friend. And then her father said, turn around and look at the crowd because these are all your friends as well. And, you know, and look, I'm getting, I'm getting my feelings here. I'm getting choked up because I was crying like a baby when I, when I, when I, when I heard that I was crying like a baby. Um, And I get emotional, obviously even thinking about it. So, you know, I, I guess, so here's the question. This is not just about, you know, me, you know, getting in my feelings, like how much of a factor was helping trans children from all around the country connect with each other and organizing the trans prom. And I think you've spoken a little bit about this, but how did that play out at the event and also afterwards? It played out absolutely great, right? Um, at the event itself, you could just see friendships being made, bonds, just joy, happiness. It was like, as soon, you know, because there were actually different steps for the the prom itself. We didn't start off at the 
exact venue. We first started off at like a, a little church for us to all just have breakfast, you know, um, put our stuff away, whatever. And even there, everyone was just getting together, meeting each other, talking about their similarities, their differences, their states. They're talking about school, their friends, what they like to do. You could see that already, even though they've only known these people for like five minutes, they're already making friendships and forming these connections. And at the prom itself, we see that that continues, but now they're also supported by just other people, more supporters, more allies, more parents like this guy, you know? And they were able to not only create these connections with other trans people, but create connections with supporters who will go on to advocate for them even beyond this. And um, I think in terms of after the event, there have been, you know, like posts on social media, there have been group chats made, right? I was added to a group chat that included almost every trans youth there at the party that continues to be very lively. Like it's, it's very clear that this prom wasn't just a singular, separated, isolated event. It's something that will continue on. I think that's, that's exactly what we were planning. Wow. So Hobbs, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I am just so proud of the advocacy work you have done. And I know it's already made a far larger impact on, your, on the LGBTQ community than you can ever know. But what made you decide to become an advocate when I'm sure it's tough enough just being a teenager, especially with this knucklehead as your father? Easy, easy. <laughs> I think that's a great question. Um, and it's also one that's somewhat difficult to answer, right? Uh, I think whenever you ask someone, why do you support something so strongly, it's always hard to put into words. Um, but for myself, it's because I have role models like my father, right? I can see that my father is doing such great work. And I, I've had a few opportunities to see what that work is. And I've just been inspired. I feel like if my dad's doing something so great and he's my role model, I can also do something great. I'm holding his face and I want to kiss him. Outside of that, <laughs> I am able to see the many blights that are affecting the transgender community. I'm able to see the opposition that is upon so many different factors and communities of my own identity. And to just sit idly by without doing anything when I have the power to do so, it seems almost irresponsible, irresponsible in a sense. You know, it's like I have the opportunity. I have the space. I've been given the platform to share a message that can change minds and can change the way that my communities are seen. So why not use it, you know? feel like if I can say something to make a change, why not? Well, just keep doing what you're doing because it is God's work and it is having an impact. It is absolutely positively having an impact. I'm just going to share one really brief story with you. You know, basically when this podcast came out, you know, I sent it around to a bunch of people, including my next door neighbor. Um, you know, she has a, uh, a daughter uh, who is, you know, who, uh, when I first met her, she was, you know, she was out, she was now lesbian. Um, and now she has made the decision, uh, I, sorry, I should say they have made the decision to become non-binary. And she, and she literally, when I sent her that first episode, 
she texted me back and said, you know, this is so helpful for me because, you know, because my, 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 they are going through this transition and, and it's really kind of scary for me. So it is having an impact. Keep on doing what you are doing um, because it, it makes such a difference. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that was Hobbs Chikumba. Hobbs, thank you so much for joining us today. If you can stick around for this week's Allies and Assholes, please do. Just don't use that kind of language around me because I'll whoop your behind. I won't. You're just too old for that, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I get the same. Yeah. And now it's time for our recurring segment, Allies and Assholes, where we highlight individuals or groups that are supporting the LGBTQIA plus community on the one hand and call out straight up assholes who are trying to move us all backwards on the other. Stephen, who are we talking about today? Our ally of the week is President Joe Biden. A few weeks ago was Transprom, which brought trans youth and adults from all over the country to Washington, D.C. for an event which highlighted the brilliance, joy, and resilience of the trans community. Many of our elected officials were invited, including President Biden and the First Lady, but because it was on a day when Congress was in session, they were unable to attend. However, when the organizers returned to their respective ports of origin, they received a letter from the president. Take a listen. Dear Hobbs, thank you so much for your invitation to Trans Youth Prom. Jill and I are sorry that we were not able to attend, but we hope that you had a wonderful time. Transgender youth are some of the bravest people I know, and our nation is stronger and more vibrant because of them. The work that you did to organize Trans Youth Prom exemplifies this courage and spirit. You have created a space for transgender youth to be their most authentic selves. For this, and for your continued activism in the face of discrimination and injustice, thank you. Your work serves as a true reminder that your generation is the most thoughtful, inclusive generation the world has ever seen. Please give my best to your family, and keep studying hard, speaking out, and making music. The future is yours to shape. Sincerely, Joe Biden. Wow. Just wow. I mean, how often are youth recognized for their service and bravery by the flipping president of the United States of America? President Biden clearly recognizes what a massive contribution to society these brave kids are making. And this is why President Biden is our ally of the week. Yay! Yay! All right. Congratulations to President Biden. And now on to our asshole of the week. Yeah, and this is a really, really nice contrast with President Biden being our ally of the week. Our asshole of the week is none other than former South Carolina governor and current Republican presidential pretender. Oh, sorry, I meant to say contender Nikki Haley. During a recent CNN town hall hosted by Jake Tapper, Haley had this to say about trans children. And biological boys playing in girls' sports. It is the women's issue of our time. My daughter ran track in high school. I don't even know how I would have that conversation with her. How are we supposed to get our girls used to the fact that biological boys are in their locker rooms? And then we wonder why a third of our teenage girls seriously contemplated suicide last year? I don't even know where to start with this bullshit. First off, the notion that there are all these trans girls lurking around in girls' locker rooms and regularly being the piss out of them in sports is utterly ridiculous. The number of trans girls in this country, period, much less the number that are playing sports, is minuscule. 
and to suggest that trans girls are the reason that so many teen girls are having suicidal thoughts, not because of social media, not because of the enormous pressure society places on them, not because of, I don't know, straight up misogyny is beyond ridiculous. Now, to make matters worse, we know that trans children have much higher rates of suicidal ideation, self-harm, substance abuse, homelessness, etc., than their cisgender peers. So you can really miss me with that bullshit. You can miss me with it too. And that's all it is. It's just straight up bullshit. And by the way, Jake Tapper is also kind of an asshole for not pushing back on such obvious misinformation. I mean, you know, when we let misinformation like that go unchecked, it just, it, it legitimizes it. It straight up legitimizes it. So Jake Tapper, you were kind of an asshole as well. First, the Trump town hall, and now this. Seriously, CNN, be better. Just, just be better. But anyway, that's why Nikki Haley is our asshole of the week. Boo. Well, that's our show for today, folks. I want to thank today's guest, Hobbs Chikumba, my son, for spending time with us today. And of course, I'd like to thank my co-host and me brethren, Anthony Chikumba. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate your, you sharing your platform with me. It's a growing platform, clearly, because everybody's you know fanboying over you. Uh, and we couldn't do this without all of you, our listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Parent Advocate Podcast. And as usual, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and do all the things you need to do to stay up to date with everything we're doing here on the Parent Advocate Podcast. Bye, everybody. We out. If you are thinking about harming yourself, get immediate support. Please reach out to The Trevor Project and connect to a crisis counselor 24-7, 365 days a year from anywhere in the United States. It's 100% confidential and 100% free. You can get help at thetrevorproject.org. If you'd like to support any of the organizations working actively to support LGBTQ people, please visit the ACLU at action.aclu.org or the Human Rights Campaign at hrc.org. You've been listening to the Parent Advocate Podcast. Tune in again for another episode.